Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. I really hope that you're well wherever you're listening in from. Thanks so much for your support on the recent Paul Nichols interview as well. We've had loads of positive feedback from both the podcast and Sporting Edge's digital toolkit where our corporate clients use the various two to three minute videos in their own business meetings to inspire their team. So it's brilliant to hear that that's landed well alongside the other interviews. It's been a busy few weeks for me with various keynotes events in uh, tech, insurance and healthcare sectors. And the central theme of the mindset that we need to thrive through these periods of uncertainty and change seems to be a common theme across sectors. So that's keeping me pretty busy at the moment. Well, this week we're recognising International Mental Health Day and I wanted to share a really powerful personal story from Olympic champion Helen Richardson-Walsh, who was a key member of the GB hockey team that won Olympic gold in Rio in 2016. We often see our sporting stars on the podium cheering and spraying champagne, but that moment of pride and elation is the result of decades of dedication and hard work. And what we often don't see or hear about are those brutally tough moments of injury, being dropped, or that long road to rehab after surgery. These are the lows that can make or break people. And in today's episode, we hear about the dark times that Helen experienced in her battle to regain her mental and physical strength after a number of debilitating setbacks. In my career, I've, I've, I always say, unfortunate enough um, to have had several in, in injuries, career-threatening injuries. And um, when I was around 20, 21, 22, I had um, three operations on my ankle and I was out of the game for two years. And, you know, in that period of time, I learned so much about myself. I was still relatively, well, I was really young in, in, in well, definitely compared to where I am now. And at the start of my career, and I found it, it difficult at that time to to cope with being injured um, and I was I kind of I, I struggled to watch hockey I struggled to watch other people playing it because I was so down about not being able to play and so I found that I really isolated myself from from hockey from my friends and, and things like that and that was when I was, was that age. But I did learn throughout that experience to, um, to, to, to really train properly. So before I got injured, I really struggled to push myself physically in, in physical training. I love playing sports. I love games. I'm, you know, hockey, cricket, football, whatever. But when it came to exercise and actually physical training, I hated it. Um, but being injured in that time, I had, I had to do it. There wasn't any excuse at that point. So I, I actually learned quite a lot about myself in that time. I learned how to set goals in training. I learned how to physically push myself through some of those barriers that I've really struggled with. And when I came back, I, I came back in completely different body shape than when I started. Um, so in, 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 that, in that situation was a I took positives out of it, even though it was a negative situation. 
But the, the, the hardest time in my career has no, no doubt been when I had back surgery. And so since between London Olympics and the Rio Games, I had two, two back surgeries. And the first one was in 2013. And, you know, mentally I was able to get my head around it. It was in the year after the Olympics. If you're going to get injured, that's the best time. And even though I knew I was going to miss a tournament, which was hard, mentally I was okay. And I was in a lot of physical pain. I, you know, my disc ruptured, um, bits were floating around my spinal cord and it was sending real shocking pain down my leg. I wasn't able to sleep. And pain is so debilitating and it, and it can really cause a lot of stress. And then when you don't sleep on top of that, it's, it's really, um, it, it, it just got me really down and really low. But because of the timing of that injury, I was able to cope with it a little bit better. And so I, you know, I had the surgery and it went well, I thought, and I started on the, the rehab and I got back into the team. Um, but then 11 months later, the same thing happened again. And this time it was only 20 weeks away, I think, from the, the World Cup. And I was, in my head, I was desperate to go to that World Cup. Um, and I had, again, all the physical symptoms. But this time I was, had more kind of doubts around, okay, this has happened once, this has happened again, this is your back. You know, you've had nerve damage already. This is your back, you know. It, is the, the goal of becoming world champion, of Olympic champion, worth risking potentially, you know, permanent damage to your back and, and nerves? Um, so that was all going in my, on in my head. I then had the, in, a new coach who didn't necessarily know, well, I didn't feel, knew what I could bring to the team as much as my old coach. So I had a lot more doubts around selection and whether I would get back into the team. Um, and that was really difficult to deal with. And in the, in the immediate time frame, I thought, right, I spoke to a few people, but my, I, I could never say no to not trying to go to that World Cup. And so I thought, right, I know I'm going to isolate myself from this team. I know I'm going to be really difficult to be around unless I do something about it. And so I decided to write a blog. And that's something that I would never have done. Um, I'm someone who's quite personal. I like to keep things inside. But I knew that if I did that, it would make me talk. It would help uh, my teammates understand what I was going through. I hoped it would be quite cathartic. It would get some of these thoughts out. And also, kind of, I hoped that other people might be able to, to take something from it. So it kind of took me out of my own head. You know, it was bigger than me. Um, and the response I got from that blog was just incredible. It was, it was amazing. It, it did, it massively helped. And I got so much support from not only my teammates and my family, but also, you know, the wider hockey, hockey family, which is incredible. And it, it, it motivated me, it inspired me, it kept me going to, to get back onto that pitch before selection. And, you know, I did everything I could, but I didn't get selected for the World Cup. And that's when 
that's when I really kind of hit hit rock bottom. Um, it was the first time in my career that I hadn't been selected for a tournament that I thought I was up for. I had feelings of, I guess, embarrassment maybe because of that. Um, and mentally I was really struggling. I was depressed. If I had depression, I don't, you know, I don't know. The, the doctors maybe thought I did. Through a reasonable amount of time, I, I kind of used other strategies to try and get myself back to, to me. I didn't feel, I feel like I'd lost me. And I used things like mindfulness, I used the Headspace app. Um, to try and, because I, I guess what I was doing was I was always thinking about the future. I was thinking about what I, what I wasn't achieving, what I wasn't doing, rather than what was important and who I was and staying in the moment and worrying about what might happen rather than just going, okay, this is where you are now, this is fine. We'll worry about the future later. And I, I found the mindfulness thing really help, um, helped me kind of almost get back to who I was um, and through time and through um, I guess hope actually because at some points I kind of only had really hope left and I still wanted to become Olympic champion that was still still my my goal um, and I went and saw a few different people, I, you know, I had therapy and stuff like that, um, which really, really helped. Um, and I also then got some more physical training from my, from my back to kind of get the confidence in my, my body. Um, and I literally probably had a good two or three months period of time where I, in my head, I was doing that thing of, you can't do this, you're not going to be able to do this. Sometimes it would last a split second, sometimes it was a couple of hours of real, like, you're, you're not going to be able to do this. Your body is telling you to stop. You know, you've been, you've put yourself through this for 15 years. Um, but I wanted to be an Olympic champion. And uh, so, yeah, I kept, I kept going. And each day gradually I got stronger and physically I got stronger and mentally I got stronger and I got back onto the pitch and I had even though I was dealing with targets to hit from the coach I was having to be on the pitch at this time I was having to be proving something else by this date I, and I, but that kind of challenge that challenge is what I love I love a challenge and it, it really spurred me on and pushed me and I made sure I was going to be on that pitch at that date and and I and I did and I did it and I got back onto the pitch and I, you know 2015 was a was a good year you know we won the Europeans but physically I wasn't my best but I was there and that was all that mattered and and being involved in 2016 was it was was amazing because of that experience being selected you know from having gone from someone who never really overly worried about selection to then being so nervous about getting an email before uh, for the Rio Olympic Games was an experience that I'm really pleased I've had um, 
because it allows me to be so much more empathetic with those people who every time went through that experience. And it's easy to say because it worked out. I got back onto the pitch and I went to the Olympics and I'm now an Olympic champion. Um, but it, and it de definitely made it all feel a lot sweeter when it did happen, that's for sure. So that's an incredibly powerful story of heartbreak and redemption. And thanks so much to Helen for sharing that with us. There are so many elements in that short clip that I think are worth pulling out. So firstly, it was a reminder of how much our identity is intertwined with our professional role. If you spent 20 years reinforcing the point that you're a hockey player or a salesperson, then when you're dropped or you're out of the squad or you get made redundant or you have a long-term injury for an athlete, the emotional toll of the setback can be so painful. We could hear that in Helen's voice. She also articulated that inner voice that wasn't just the pessimistic critic, but it also turned into a medical specialist as well, adding evidence to the severity of the injury with things like, you're not going to come back from this. This is too much. This is your back. It's important through these times that when we feel isolated and we feel like that downward spiral is inescapable, that we remember that our thoughts are not the truth. It's just our brain's way of shielding us from more disappointment. Don't try. Don't dream. Don't believe it's possible. Just stay safe. Stay doing what you're doing. But of course, the most inspirational story is when we quieten that negative voice. We look for outside opinion and we have that optimistic view to say we can do something about it. Having control of that inner voice in our mind that's trying to fast forward into the future and create all these negative end games and catastrophize things and make things emotional and you know, full of shame and judgment. That's just our brain playing tricks on us. So we have to be able to stop that negative critic in our mind and replace it with something more helpful as if we're talking to a, a youngster or one of our friends or somebody that we're coaching. When we can get that voice in our own head to be a supportive friend to ourselves, that can be truly transformational. But something that Helen had burning deep inside was that ambition of being the Olympic champion. And she'd had that since she was a very young girl. And this wasn't going to be dimmed by a period of injury or a period of being dropped out of the team. It actually started to burn brighter than ever and actually lit a path through those dark days, through those long, painful physio sessions, through turning up at the gym early in the morning and those long and painful stretching sessions, which I'm sure she must have endured to get back to full fitness. We all need that hope and optimism that our goals bring. They lift us to dream of what's possible rather than sliding down into that victim mindset that can be so debilitating. Helen also had the self-awareness to start writing things down in a journal that helps us to get away from that tangle in our brains, that mess in our minds, and take it down and distill it into clearer sentences and clearer themes and practical steps of what to do next. Helen said that this helped her to get back to me, almost like she'd been lost in those dark spirals and was moving further away 
from the positive, proactive leader that she knew herself to be. And that writing things down and distilling things down in black and white in front of her actually helped her to see with a bit more reality and optimism about what the future could hold. So this is another great tactic to start getting these things out of our head because problems are halved when we either speak to other people or we start to write things down. The worst thing we can do is be trapped in a room on our own in the dark listening to that one voice and that's our inner critic. We need to get out, get these negative thoughts out and speak to other people. And actually in writing her blog, uh, Helen started to connect with this purpose that was bigger than herself. She started to inspire a whole community of people, which was really liberating and it wasn't what she expected, but it became a great source of motivation for Helen. And she actually went on to study a master's degree in psychology and is now supporting teams herself. And I'm sure she's helping so many people with these authentic stories because she's turned this lowest personal moment into a set of tools and empathy for others that are also struggling. And finally, in those moments when the way out of the swamp seems so steep and so slippery, she sets small goals to get up, to get dressed, to get to the physio, to do the stretches, and to keep turning up day after day until she was fit again. When we're at our lowest, everything seems too complex and too big. So we have to remember that we need that optimism and that dream state of winning. But let's break that down. Let's break the win into W-I-N. What's important now? What's important next? And that ability to take the inspiration from having that winning mindset, but be able to translate that into something practical and tangible that we can do in the next minute, in the next hour, in the next day, helps us to kickstart that whole new journey and for Helen, that was realising her dream of becoming an Olympic champion. If you or someone around you is having a tough time at the moment, then I really hope you found Helen's story inspirational. It gave you some hope about what can be achieved when somebody reaches rock bottom but isn't prepared to give up. I'll add some links in the show notes to similar episodes about regaining your energy and your motivation. And of course, if I can help in any way, just drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com. I'd love to help. So thanks again for listening today and I'll see you soon.